And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. You can go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for one dollar a month. It's it's just barely anything. I bet you you can go outside right now on the street and find a dollar. You could probably do that one time a month and pay for your subscription. Wow. That's, that's how little money this is. So you should do that. You should lock it in. Lock that number in now because it won't get any better than this. Uh, with me. Not as always on Tuesday night because we don't always do it on Tuesday night. We should do it Wednesday morning, but this will be for the Wednesday pod. Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, second pod of second the pod. night? We have we have done lots of pods already. We already did a slam and jam with Matt Penny coming up, all about the uh, 2022 draft Ooh, class. Get ready. I think people will like that. Yeah, it's, it's very fun. nice. Uh, he uh, he always brings up the thunder like on his own. Yeah, which I mean, it's 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 nice for the, the thunder fans, you know. Yeah. We don't he doesn't have to, have to do that. No, no, we don't. We didn't have to say a word. He just, yeah, he, he just, just does it himself. Uh, Chet Holmgren played tonight. Who he described as kind of like a Poku 2.0. Yeah. Matt Penny. But with a mean streak and mean something streak. else. And listen in to uh, the Slam and Jam on Saturday to find out what else he yeah. said about him. Uh, Holmgren's good. Like straight, straight good, man. He was straight fi- good. 15 points, six boards, a steal, four blocks. Only took eight shots. All he needs is eight shots to get his 15 points. That's where he and Poku differ. Because if Poku had 15 points, one, it's kind of hard to imagine Poku having 15 points in a game right now. Um, yeah, seriously. Feels like it would take upwards of 15 shots. <laughs> to I get mean, he, he, I think he had 11 in the Atlanta game. Yeah, but that's just a lot of the Atlanta stuff, especially the second half stuff, which is where he mostly did his work, just doesn't feel real. Did his damage. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that game was, honestly, the first quarter, probably some of the best Thunder basketball I've seen just because Josh Giddy was playing so well in that first quarter. Yeah, we got to see full-time point guard Giddy. And it was a blast. It was. I mean, that, that pass... The underhanded bounce pass. Yeah. I can't even imagine how hard that would be if I went out and tried to do that in a real game scenario. <laughs> to get it right, because you would either throw it much harder or you would barely throw it to the person. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I wouldn't attempt that it. That was super impressive. I would not attempt it. There's, there's just no way I'd attempt it. He's. But yes, the, the first half, I mean, that was great. And then the second half, it, everything just faded away. It was meaningless. Yeah, and quickly, because they were only up. Yeah. 
they were only down like six or something like that at half where it was like, man, this is a true embarrassment for the Hawks. Like this is, this is really bad that this Oklahoma city team is hanging with you. And then it was over very fast, which is, I mean, that's the way it should be. The Thunder are missing their best player, right? It's are you, are you asking me to confirm, confirm it right now. <laughs> They're missing their best player, right? Alex, you don't think anyone else is the best player. Do you? I'm asking. Do you? Uh, yeah, th- no, the first half, it was like, whoa, Shay's out. And they look like this. Because when Shea was out last year, they did not look like that. Correct. <laughs> they they seem pretty functional against Atlanta, at least in the first half. But yeah, yeah, he obviously makes a huge difference. He does. Uh, quite he good. does. Quite good. Uh, so I was looking at some pick and roll numbers earlier today, and yeah. a, few, a few of these numbers caught my eye. The third highest pick-and-roll frequency of players amongst the entire NBA is Derek Favors, 36.8% in his pick-and-roll frequency. And is actually, like, decently efficient in those at a 1.03 points per possession. Like, that's quite good. Um, I'm mostly saying this just just on the uh, off chance that maybe in a, another NBA GM is listening and maybe they're wanting a, uh, a nice backup center. For their roster, Derek Favors, right here. He uh, he he's solid. Uh, I mean, the the pick and pop, the giddy Favors pick and pop. I feel like that's happened multiple times this season. It feels yeah. like Favors always hits those mid rangers. Yeah. Well, and it just, I mean, just watching Giddy with Favors and it working just makes me think, what if he, what if he had a a really good big man, like somebody that was actually good, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I you know we we were just talking with Matt Penny about like the you know the top of the draft, and I do kind of wonder if uh, Jalen Duran will end up falling. Yeah, because he is a quote unquote traditional center, traditional big. but yeah, but I think that could potentially really work on the Thunder, mm-hmm. and so maybe even if they do fall to five, and everyone's like, well, I'd rather take the forwards, you know, I like guess someone like Jabari Smith or whoever. I, if we ended up with him at five, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. He's a monster. And I don't know. I just feel like Josh would thrive in a pick and roll setting with somebody. It, anybody that's just competent. Anybody. I mean, <laughs> just like your middle of the road center. Like a like if he had Jonas Valanciunas you know, yeah. as his center. Yeah. Like, wow. Like they could do a lot. They could do a lot with him. Yeah. No one on the current roster. I mean, I guess Roby has this a little bit, but in terms of just as a lob threat, you know, what Roby is on his uh, points per possession in for what in pick and roll. <laughs> How many has he run? Like two. I mean, it's not been a lot, but. The point five or something. It's point six three. It's bad, mm. like very, very bad. But yeah, if if Giddy had a legit lob threat, like a bouncy, a bouncy center, I think that would be really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're gonna have their opportunity to get somebody bouncy, somebody good in this next draft. 
Uh, I will say, uh, I wanted one more thing about the Hawks game. Mm-hmm. I, I like that they started JRE with favors mm-hmm. as a big, big lineup because, you know, I think because he started as a center on this team, we kind of anchored ourselves to that idea and thinking of him purely as a small ball center. But, you know, we, we saw it with the way he guarded Harden. Like, he has the defensive versatility to play the four and play with another big. And so thinking ahead... You know, if we did get a Chet or even a Jalen Duran, like I see no reason why Jerry couldn't play beside those guys. I mean, obviously it's going to depend on the shot, but yeah. I feel pretty confident about his shot and compared to a lot of the other guys on this team. Yeah. Like I feel more confident about Jerry's shot than Baze, Poku, yep. Giddy. Yep. Yep. So I, I, I just like seeing that big, big look, even though it's Derek Favors in this instance. Yeah. Well, and he can even play it. Up a size, like if they were to get Paulo somehow, mm-hmm. that he could, they could play together, because yeah. I think that they're both strong enough, smart enough, versatile enough, and that's and that's really the kind of beauty of the roster that's being built is that it's not like there's nobody set in one spot, and Shea is like the the beginning of that versatility. Giddy is next. Who I mean, Dort can play up a position if he needs to, as well. And then I think like JRE is probably like the next in line that you really care about, right? At at this point, where it's like I know that they're going to be part of the future of the Thunder. Yeah, or at least you can envision it very easily. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. I just think I thought those not, those just those guys popping like off the page with the uh frequency just was interesting and it just goes to show like like how much the thunder are relying on screens and how much they're driving to the basket and how potentially important the next like big man for the thunder could be with these type of players because it could unlock a lot of things because if Derek favors is somehow efficient in these types of settings, then like, what could somebody who's actually good be? Yeah. And, you know, maybe that was part of the calculus when they made the Shangun trade. I, I like, I know that uh, they loved the picks that they were getting back in terms of the relative value, but for a team that is this defensive minded, mm-hmm. cause we've now seen this year over year, Coach after coach. I mean, it was the same thing when Billy D was here. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing when Scott Brooks was here. Maybe they saw it as like, yes, Shangun would probably be awesome in this offense, but he's not really the bouncy big that we're talking about. And he's certainly not the defensive big that they maybe want mm-hmm. given this team's identity going back a decade now. And he's not verse he's not very versatile either. Like he kind of has to be your center. But he's right. Really yeah, yeah, quite yeah. Big enough to be your center. He's he's mm-hmm. a he's a tweener. As a defender, he's he's a bat. He's a tweener in the the all the wrong ways. Like he's yeah, because he's Mark it, Morris tweener as a defender. He feels kind of like, in the same way that you would say this about Jokic. Like if you have that type of center, you do kind of have to build your offense around them mm-hmm. in some way. And so if you're going to do that with a rookie, like you have to have a ton of faith that like oh this is the next Jokic or whatever. 
yeah. maybe whatever big they would like to rather have, whatever like archetype they'd rather have, would just give them so much more versatility going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested just to see, you know, what, what comes next here. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, you want to answer some, some TQs here on the pod, Al? Sure. Uh, first question comes from at the Frozen Oki. He said, is it possible to know if someone is actually a good owner? If Glenn Taylor only owned the Lynx, he'd look like a genius entirely because of Cheryl Reeve. On the low post, Kevin Arnovitz said the most difficult part of a GM's job is cultivating trust from delusional people of obscene wealth. And that's and that it's the GM's job to manage ownership. Is being a good owner mostly the result of hiring a GM who can manage you? Um, you know, the Glenn Taylor thing is interesting because the same thing happens with James Dolan, which is that the Knicks have been a dumpster fire for decades. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he also owns the New York Rangers, and they're like a perfectly normal, like successful NHL team. Yeah. And so a lot of people have said it's because James Dolan cares so much more about the Knicks that he's much more meddling, whereas he doesn't care as much about the Rangers. And it may be the same thing with Glenn Taylor, where he did just get the right person in place and he doesn't really care. So he's just letting them do whatever they want. And they're successful as a result. And maybe he really cares about the Wolves. So I, I don't know. I think those scenarios can happen. I think where you get into problems is when the owner really, really cares, which in some respects is a good thing. Like Mark Cuban, like he's a good owner in that respect. You would never question how much he loves the Mavericks Mm -hmm. as a team. And you could probably say the same thing about Vivek in Sacramento. Like no one would question like how much that dude wants to win and be successful. I mean, even those like, the weird documentary, the Grantland documentary, like he still came away with this, like, dude, this guy loves this team. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not like absent, but they, they they obviously get like too involved at a certain point. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like owners like in Oklahoma city where you just never hear from them. Yeah. You don't really know anything about them. And we know that like Clay Bennett is was into the team. I mean, he, when he used to sit courtside all the time, he still does. He still does. I haven't, I haven't seen him recently. I yeah. only see you on the broadcast. Yeah, now. he sits on the other side. Uh, yeah. So I mean, like we know he's there. Yeah. But it just never involved. Like Mark Cuban had a stupid interview today, <laughs> where he went out there and said about uh, Luca and KP. There's no on court issues. Yeah. Like why would you even say that? Yeah. Yeah. 
he's he's just unnecessarily causing drama. So I I don't know. I I think that yes, there is a a a good point about like the people who just hire good GMs and let them do their job. Yeah. What if LeBron just won that 2011 title and they didn't have the weird year and the Mavs never win a title? Would we think of Cuban as a good owner? Uh, it, we, I don't know. We still might just because he's good at marketing. Like he's mm-hmm. he created that idea in our head way before they won a championship. Yeah, like people were talking about Mark Cuban as a good owner prior to that. Sure, but it would definitely change. Obviously, Dirk's past and i think now it would look it would make cuban look really bad mm-hmm. but yeah. because he has that ring he could i mean he's gotten away with it for a decade now <laughs> yeah well and i mean they drafted you know traded for luca on draft night like they've done a lot of very good things so I'm yeah just, i don't i don't think they i don't think we would think of him like vivek but also like you think about all the things that vivek has done right with the kings and it's all the business stuff. Like they have this beautiful new arena. Right. Uh, Fred Castle's talking on the tampering pod today about how it's his favorite arena. Like he thinks it's the very best one in all of the NBA. Wow. Um, and there's a lot of things they, they have right now. If they can just get Vivek to step back and not mess with the basketball op stuff and let Monty McNair run the show, like maybe things will change, but until then, no. And that's and that's where hiring like a guy like Sam Presti was perfect for the Thunder at the time, clearly, and is still perfect today because I mean Arnovitz talked about how it's you're managing your owner, but boy, does being an NBA GM it, it's not anything it's it's nothing like people would think it would be. I mean, you have to be the leader of a... I mean, you're basically the leader of like a multi-million dollar business. You know, like that's what you are. You have to cultivate the culture. You have to make sure like from top down that like everybody's doing the right things. You're developing programs that have nothing to do with the basketball team. They have to do with the community. You're doing... And all, all the while, you're doing talent evaluation, you're doing scouting, you're talking to people, you're hiring, you're, I mean, it is one of the busiest jobs, it is probably the busiest jobs, busiest job in sports, you know, to take that on. And if you're doing it right, like you are juggling like a thousand things <laughs> at once. So it's a hard job. It's a super hard job. And to get it right is really difficult and like all the while to like hit on the right draft pick is like obviously like one of the big goals but it's uh man it's a hard job so and managing ownership as long as i mean that's where if you're saying like you're pretty blessed that you don't have to deal with any of that um and my guess is that if if sam had to deal with that kind of stuff here in oklahoma city he would have said goodbye a long time ago you know yeah, for sure. Yeah, the autonomy that he seems to have and the control um, over so many facets of the organization is probably a big appeal of that job. Yep. Uh, at Daniel P. Betton wants to know, assuming OKC needs to add an elite shooter, would it be better to add a wing or a stretch four 
On offense, it doesn't matter, but defensively, I would favor adding a wing so Giddy could defend fours instead of wings, especially as he gets stronger. Yeah, I almost don't even know if it matters because, uh, I don't, yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe I agree with them that as Giddy gets bigger, he's going to be able to defend fours most likely um, as he gets stronger. So maybe you'd rather have a wing. I mean, you generally would just always would rather choose the wing because you can always play someone at the four mm-hmm. and you can always play small. So yeah, I guess in that instance, I'd rather have the wing. Yeah. Give me a wing. And that wing could be the one defending the force too. You know, not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they will be. I mean, the truth is, wherever... If Giddy ends up being the weak spot on defense, uh, he will be tasked with guarding the team's... The other team's best player. Like, that's how it always goes. Like, they... Good teams will find the weakest defender and find ways to attack him. We saw that with Carmelo Anthony when he was here. We saw that whenever the Thunder had Derek Fisher here. They will find a way to get the matchup they want. And so what you need to do is design a team that doesn't have weak points on the defense. You know, that's one of the reasons why that 2016 team was so good is that there, like, where was the weak point in the defense? There wasn't one, you know? And Josh has shown, like, some some good stuff. I mean, the way he defended John Collins in spots against Atlanta was really impressive. So perhaps defending bigger guys will be better just because they're not as quick and you're either closing out to the corner or you're, you know, staying strong on the block. And he'll be able to do that stuff, you know, with probably more certainty than moving his feet. But his feet aren't bad. That's something that Mark Degnault's talked about is like his feet aren't like Danilo Gallinari bad. Like he can he can move them, which I think is good. Man, uh, Ennis Cantor wants to give a shout out to Andrew for not using him as an example when you were going through guys in the o- Oklahoma City's past <laughs> that have been preyed upon by other teams. You only said Carmelo and Derek Fisher didn't even think to say Ennis Cantor. Big shouts to Ennis Cantor. How nice of you. Yeah. He was definitely, but he wasn't closing games for that 2016 team. No, no, he wasn't. Uh, Think of a card wants to know. You think Bays is getting so much opportunity this year precisely because they know it's a make or break year for him. Give him every opportunity to prove he can grow into a good player. You know, I've been thinking about this because it's obviously been a, subject for conversation like how many minutes Baze is getting why is why is his leash so much longer than it would be for Poku you know po, well, well, it doesn't seem like either of them are eating their broccoli at times but you watch some of these games even in this really bad stretch for Bays offensively he's so much further along defensively than Poku and yeah then t- thinking about this team's identity I mean where are they like the 13th ranked defense like it's obvious they're playing Bays. I don't think I don't even know if those ideas are coming into their head about like, oh, this is a make or break year or whatever. I just think that Dagnall's playing him because he's his best defensive option at that position based on what he has. I think that's one of the big like if he wasn't good defensively, if he was as bad as Poku, I I think it might be more even. Mm-hmm. Down to fifteenth in defense. Oh no. That's, that's still top half though. 
Just barely hanging on to top half. Barely hanging on. Better than the Knicks. Better than well, the Mavs. We got the Jazz coming up, so that'll help. Yeah, we might be uh, bottom half <laughs> <laughs> after that game. Especially if Shea can't go. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that there is an element of make or break, though, because this is the uh, the point in the in a player's career where I think traditionally Sam has liked to had a decision made on them. He doesn't like guys going into their fourth year without a decision made one way or the other, whether it's traded to another team or an extension done. And what in the world do you pay Darius Baisley on his next contract <laughs> if you were to extend him today? Like it would be very little. It'd be like, oh, we'll give you three years, seven million. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, I, mean? I don't know. Like, what's the? I don't know what. I don't know what's fair. And do you want? Do you want to extend? Like, do you want him on the roster for another three years after next year? Like, I don't. I don't know. Like, maybe not. We'll find out. Because you're going to have, like, they're going to have options. That's the thing about these next two drafts. Like, if we think these next two drafts are the two most important drafts, like, they're going to have options, you know? They're going to have, they have a lot of picks coming up in the first round of these next two drafts. And they're going to have options at the four. We already talked about Jeremiah being one of them, right? Mm -hmm. They could potentially be an option at the four. So, like, there is an element of, like, put up or shut up, you know, for Baisley. So, we'll and uh, I guess it's been, it's been shut up these last couple games. It's been shut up, bro. Yeah. And it's been rough. I, uh, yeah, I was re watching his shots in the Atlanta oh, game. God bless you, and, sir. Uh, obviously, the, I mean, the threes are what they've always been, you know, like mm-hmm. he, he didn't hit any of that game, but, you know, occasionally he hits them. Literally once a game has a shot a three that is so bad you can't believe it. And he had one of those against mm-hmm. Atlanta. Just a weird air ball. Yeah. All the other shots he was taking were drives where he was most of the time going at Clint Capella. Yeah. He did have one very nice Euro step around Clint Capella to a finish. But of course, you know, like that's the kind of flashes we've seen since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's one highlight in what was a two for 11 game. I think um, just really brutal. And there was that moment with Giddy. Did you see that on, uh, it was posted on thunder Reddit where Giddy was going into the lane. Bays had gotten to basically the dunker spot and in Giddy threw a really nice pass to him. And instead of going immediately up, Bays just turned around and backed out to the three point line. And, and Giddy showed some like real frustration, like animated. You could see it and it wasn't like zoomed in at all. Where he was basically just like throwing up his hands, like "What are you doing? Like, why would you do that?" Yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of interesting because we just haven't seen anything like that from this team so far this year. Yeah, well, and Josh will continue to get more animated. Like he's pretty, he, he was a pretty animated guy in Australia, and I think we'll, yeah. get, we'll get to see more of that from him moving forward, which I think is fun to have personality. And yeah, Baisley's, I mean, Josh was doing what we're all doing in our living room with Baisley at times where it's like, right. like, like, what's going on here? Well, sometimes he's like so aggressive 
And then the one time when you throw him a really nice pass and he could go straight up, that's when he decides to back it out. Yeah. Just like, why? Why? I wonder if he just, if he's going to make it in the league, needs to be put on a team where it's like, hey, you've got two jobs. Shoot corner threes, attack a closeout if you have to, and play defense. Yeah. And like, I mean, that's what worked like, don't his do anything rookie else. season. Yeah, don't do anything else. It's all the other stuff that's that's screwing this all up for you. You know, like what if I mean if you were on the Lakers, like the Lakers need guys badly. Like maybe it doesn't look this bad. You know what I mean? It may not. Maybe he's like their Austin Reeves where he's just giving like so much energy and is hustling so hard yeah. in every play. Yeah. Where where he can just kind of succeed doing that alone mm-hmm. and making the occasional three and occasionally attacking a closeout or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all the other stuff that gets him in trouble. And when he had that streak of five games where it was like, has he finally turned the corner? It was because he wasn't doing all this stuff. Yeah. And the Atlanta game is an exception because it's like Shea's not there and it's like, all right, who's going to step up? And then I think that he probably feels some pressure to be that kind of guy. You know, he was doing a lot of things that made you think that he was feeling the pressure to be that kind of guy. Um, but it's not that he's not that guy. Uh, Pac-Man Tomlinson said, "Man, put up a thirty-piece on the blue tonight. Woo! When will he get enough playing time to do so in the NBA?" Uh, he's not coming back, right? Teo came back. Teo came back. He was recalled. I guess they could still recall Man tomorrow. Uh-huh. But my guess is that they won't. But we'll see. Um. Yeah, it'd be nice to have him back. Not not that I'm getting bored of any of our players, but we just haven't gotten to see much of Trey Mann. Yeah. And especially with Shea out. It, like, it would have been cool to see him start in place of Shea. Yeah. I would have liked it, that. It's actually kind of strange that they didn't even bring up Teo for that game. You think that would have been the time they might have wanted to bring Teo back up, but I'm glad we got to see Giddy like, as the yeah. starting point guard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I I like what Trey's done, and I think he really is taking to what Mark wants him to do. You can see him really fighting when he's out there, and the pull-up threat is real. The three-point shot is real. The finishing in acrobatic ways is real. So, yeah, I want to see if he can do it consistently in the NBA. I mean, he'll have his chance. Like, he'll have his chance this season to do it. Um, but yeah, I like what he brings to the table. He's good. He's a good kid too. Like just a good person as well, which is always nice. Do you know, uh, sorry, I I was trying to figure this out while we were talking about Giddy, but Mm -hmm. do you know how many potential assists he had in the game against Atlanta? You have it pulled up? I do. 14? I don't know. Uh, so first of all, first of all, James Harden had 29 in whatever game, whoever they played. Oh, 29. Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio at 20. D'Angelo Russell at 19. Josh Giddy, 17 potential assists. Wow. It's potentially a lot of assists. Potentially. Potentially, but... Man, Ricky Rubio had 20, but only had five assists. Wow. So that better ratio for Giddy there. Yeah. Yikes. 
That's re- that's really interesting. That's I wonder if there's any uh, studies on like the ratio of potential assists to actual assists and what that might say. I mean, obviously, it has to do with your teammates. Has so much to do with your teammates. Your teammates, Isaac Okoro, hmm, might be potentially zero assists. But one potential assist could be better than another potential assist based on like how it's, the ball's delivered and. Yeah, it's a wacky number. I honestly hate that they track it. <laughs> no, it's fun. I mean, honestly, it really helps with Josh Giddy to like put in perspective it does. what he's doing on the it court. It does. It talks like it, it lets you know about the opportunities that he's creating, but like some of them some of them were just never going to result in like a real assist. Yeah. You know? Did you know he 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 was only like fourth or fifth in potential assist on Monday night's games. Number one in passes made. Yeah. Se- 77 passes in that game. It's great. Just Josh Giddy alone. It's a great passer. It's a great, great passer. Great, great passer. Uh, let's see. Next Q. Next TQ is from at Ethan Nickel 4. How many wins would the Thunder have if they replaced SGA for BAM? I think the offense would get significant. Like, the offense is bad now. Mm-hmm. It's not like Bam plays for some amazing offense. Like, that Miami offense can get bogged down. Very sluggish. So, if you're... And he's not a shooter. Mm-mm. So, you're you're putting him on this team. Like, I think the offense would be horrible. Be the really defense bad. is probably going to be top 10. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to look pretty good. Yep. But the, the offense will be terrible. Although, you know what? Maybe he'll... That'll be his opportunity to to spread his wings. He can become the dominant offensive player that some think uh, is in there. Yeah, he could short roll a pass to somebody who's going to brick it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I I mean I think SGA is worth more wins than Bam. Um, I'd like to pair Bam and SGA. Ooh. On the same team. That's yeah, why not that? Could Ethan, that? could we do that? We can't do that. Uh, let's see. Um, next question comes from uh, Debatable Data Deluge. Uh, mm. Who do you have winning Bedlam? Uh, so Andrew uh, is an OSU grad. Mm-hmm. I am a OU grad. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch OU games every week, but I wouldn't say that I'm a diehard. Yeah. And I would say in years when they look like this, I start to tune out. <laughs> the Jalen Hurts year, I mean, they were good that year, but I just like couldn't stand watching Jalen Hurts because he would fumble all the time. Mm-hmm. So I would just get sick of the team and I'd stop watching them. And that's kind of happened this year. So my expectation is that OU will lose. Wow. And it would actually – I wouldn't even be mad – I wouldn't be depressed, you know. When I was growing up, if we had lost the Bedlam game, like I, what was that, two thousand one? Oh man, you couldn't even show up to school. Oh, uh, it was terrible. That that game that was in Norman. Yeah, I forget how it, it was like sixteen to whatever. It was yeah. a low scoring game. Josh Fields, baby, dude. That that game, like that would have destroyed me. Yeah. This week, I'm honestly like I'm hopeful that OSU wins and and they win the Big Twelve championship and. Get uh, to go to the playoff. Wouldn't gosh. that be nice? Yeah, that would be so nice. That'd be just, so nice. We need something. Like, give us something. Uh, yeah, I'll probably. I think OU will win. Yep, that sounds like an OSU fan. 
Mike Gundy just has to prove to me that he's going to actually coach like he does the rest of the year against OU. Yeah. Because he coaches scared against OU. And also, like, he was in a press conference. What's, I don't even know what today is. What's today? Monday? Tuesday? On Monday, Mike Gundy talked. They, he was asked about, like, do you think Bedlam will continue when OU goes to SEC? Oh, yeah. And he... He just said he didn't really know, but he basically, in a nutshell, doesn't want it to continue. Mm. Which is like... <laughs> well, I mean, it hasn't been good for him. It's been bad for yeah. him. <laughs> and the thing, like, OSU, and this will we'll end our uh, OSU-OU talk after this, but like, I don't blame him in that because like, oh, the OSU program is in the next version of whatever they call it will be the best team in in football, certainly, and then maybe even, like, one of the best basketball programs, too. Um, oh, you mean, like, in their next conference? Yeah, in the next conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, they could be dominant. Like, they – especially the football program could be dominant. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Let's do okay. a few more questions. Decos. Uh, let's see. At Austin Woolish, he wants to know now that we have seen Giddy, JRE, and Wiggins in action and Shangoon, how would you grade the Thunder's draft different now than you did at draft time? Uh, obviously, the, the big difference, because frankly, I, I still feel about the same about man, I just haven't seen him that much. And I don't personally have a strong opinion about Wiggins uh, still. Like, it's not going to, like, sway me from going from, like, a C to a B just because of Wiggins and man, uh, based on what I've seen so far. That said, the JRE is obviously the big difference because yeah. we knew nothing about him yeah. when he was drafted that night. And I f- now feel like, oh, he's a top eight rotation player of the future. So that's a huge difference big time. And so if I, I probably would have given that draft at the time, maybe like a C C minus. And yeah. so now I'd give it like a B B plus. Yeah. That's how I feel about it now. What about Giddy though? Is Giddy not better than you thought he would be? Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. I kind of forget because I didn't, I, but I was still I still liked that pick on draft night. Like yeah. given their options at six, I liked that pick because I thought it showed more direction than taking like a Kuminga or a book night would have shown. Yeah, it, sh- it sh- seemed to suggest more of a plan, and that's why I liked it. But, uh, but yeah, sure, yeah, my expectations, whatever they were, have been exceeded so far. Yeah. Like Booknight can't crack the rotation, you know. Somebody True. Got, okay, fine. I'll, bu- I'll bump it up to an A minus. Somebody got so mad at me whenever I said that Booknight won't cra- won't crack the Charlotte rotation. Somebody was like, they gave me like four or five tweets about it. Whenever oh, I really said that. big yeah. Booknight fans, I guess I was like, I don't see with the minutes for him, and he's not playing. Doesn't play at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I mean, I think I think about it vast vastly different. And you look at the rookie rankings, like Mike Schmitz put a rookie ranking out today, and he has Josh Giddy fifth on his list, which is 
uh, that's cool. That's great. You know, that he's looked that good so far because other, I mean, you look at the Houston guys who have had opportunity, you know, and I would have, like, if, if, you know, if we were to put out a rookie ranking, I'd be like, oh yeah, Jalen Green will definitely be ahead of Giddy. Yeah. In these, like, he just will because he's going to put up 20 points and he's going to just smash on guys and he's going to hit threes and he's going to look great. Like, he'll look great. And he just hasn't looked great. Honestly, he hasn't looked great. And it makes me feel immense joy that (laughs) he hasn't looked great so far for Houston. And I'm not. But see, I, I like, I don't care about his offense. Like, I feel like. Everything I've seen is as advertised. He's just not hitting his shots. But, like, his first step, his explosiveness, like, his athleticism, I feel like it's all there. Yeah. The the defense is the part where I'm like, dude, I legitimately don't know if he will ever play defense. It's really bad. It's really bad. But they, they don't dra- they didn't draft him for his defense. They draft him to develop into, like, a top-tier scorer in the league, which I am, have not been dissuaded from that idea yet. Yeah even as, as he's struggling a little bit. I've been a little dissuaded. You've been dissuaded. I feel like you're 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 biased, though. Oh, I'm 100% biased. <laughs> and also dissuaded. I'm both. And also dissuaded. <laughs> I'm both. Yeah, no, I think he'll be a good scorer in the league, but I just wonder... Aren't you more... Are you... Okay, more worried about Jalen Green's future or Jalen Suggs' future? Green. Really? See, I'm way more worried about Suggs' future. Not that I don't think he can be a good NBA player. Yeah. But like the path to stardom seems much more narrow than I once thought it was. Yeah, they're both just on a path to being like the almost the like exact opposite of each other. Where it's like Suggs will be can be like a high level contributor for like a winning team because he's gonna like play defense and be in the right spots and you know bring it you know he'll bring it yeah and the shot is the question and then with Jalen Green it's like like is he like a microwave score or is he a carrier offense score like I don't know like I don't know if he can be that I don't I, know I I but see. I I look at it as like his ceiling. I still think his ceiling is so much more higher than Jalen Suggs. Now that I've watched both of them play, yeah. Jalen Green is young potentially. Yeah, he's you, young. You're gonna you're gonna rue these words, Andrew. Uh, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I think you will. I won't be dissuaded. I won't be dissuaded. <laughs> No, I just I'm I'm more of just uh reveling right now. I'm just excited that Josh Giddy's played so well. You know? In yeah, I, I would I would say it's more of a relief than anything. <laughs> oh. I don't know if even know if I'm excited. Oh. It's just that after dropping that far in the draft. Yeah. And in a draft that looking back, I mean I felt this way going in. I still feel this way. I just think it's an awesome draft. It's an awesome like, draft. It's gonna be so cool watching these guys develop in the league to land a pick that you feel good about after yeah. falling that far. Yeah, like it's relief. Well, it's like, good. And it's good to know that like in this awesome draft that they got one of the awesome guys. Yeah, I think so. And I still have, I still have legitimate questions about like what Giddy looks like as a full form player, like how he develops, because if he doesn't ever shoot mm-hmm. and I do think his shot is like weird. It, 
it, I never think it's going in. I'm excited and happy mm-hmm. when it does, but mm-hmm. I never think it's going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I understand that feeling, certainly. But, like, he's got, like, the elite skill is not just, like, he's not, it's not flashes of it. It's just, like, gallons of it, you know? Gallons! <laughs> gallons of the of the elite skill just on display just being plural like, plural of flash gallons <laughs> just being dumped on the fan base i don't yeah. know what's the plural i don't i know that's not the plural of that but i just that's the thing i i thought of you know um no yeah i i, I still i mean I, I really like giddy i just i still don't know what his ceiling is which is exciting because you can tell yourself anything but i do feel like his floor is like so secure at worst, he's your fifth starter who just glues the entire offense together. At yeah. worst. At worst. But I, I think he's too he's too alpha for that. Which is awesome. Yeah. The scoring's the scoring is way more advanced than I thought it would be at this point, too. It was because in, in that game against Atlanta, I think he was six of fifteen. No, six of thirteen, maybe. Six of thirteen. 0 of 5 from 3, so that means he was 6 of 8 on the other shots. And a lot of those, he had a few where he was going straight at Capella. Yeah. And and had some nice, I mean, obviously he has his little floater, but he had some nice drives. Yeah. He's not afraid of anybody. I haven't seen him show any fear, offensively, defensively, of anybody. So we'll, we'll have to scare him. We'll have to play a prank on him. <laughs> Get him good. Ooh. Yeah. No, he's... Uh, He's been really impressive. So has Jeremiah too. Both those guys have been very good. Yeah. So far this season. Next next question. We answered it. I don't All remember right. what the question was. Let's see. All right, we'll do one more because I've got. I still have like so much to do tonight. Do you have uh, to do a daily ding tonight? I'm not doing the daily ding tonight. I'm doing it tomorrow night. Mm. Like listen Wednesday. To that. But <laughs> we're trying to pack in. Pack in everything into this verse this week. Uh, okay, rank these Thanksgiving foods from least to greatest. This is from at Prime Shay G. Turkey, Prime ham, Shea. stuffing, dressing, green bean, casserole, cranberry sauce. Mine's real easy. Uh, cranberry sauce is at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I've never tasted it. You've never tasted it? Never even put it in my mouth. You ever had a cranberry? Uh... I don't even know if I've had a cranberry. I've had like cranberry juice, of course. You had a craisin? I probably had a craisin. Yeah, I've had a craisin. Okay. I've definitely had a craisin. Uh, I, I have no interest in cranberry sauce. I think it's great that you like it, but I'm not even considering it because I would never even eat it. Green okay. bean casserole, also never had it. Not interested in it. Yeah, I'm not interested either. Our, our friend Eddie Radosevich, very into it. Tweets about it incessantly around this time of year. Yeah. I have zero inch. I, you know what? Just give me some green beans. I'll take some green beans. Yeah, just do green beans. Green long, beans are are good. Long ones. Yeah, put some uh, put some uh, cook them in some garlic. Yeah, and then you put some olive oil on top with some lemon juice, fresh squeezed lemon juice. That's all you need, and it's good. A little bacon. And then what? A little bacon. Sure, you can put bacon on it. All right. Uh, ham would be uh, in third place. Mm-hmm. And now there's a demarcation line, the stuff I actually eat and enjoy. Turkey and stuffing. I love stuffing. Yeah. And turkey, people who say it's bad, you just don't know how to cook it. It's your fault. 
<laughs> it's not Turkey's fault. You're just bad at cooking. Uh, how do you? What's what's your cooking methodology? Uh, as as you guys have discussed, the deep fried turkey was really a game changer. I don't do it personally, but um, my wife's family does it. Yeah, in in their driveway, and it really does make a difference. Yeah, kind of. You have to. You have to have the right. Yeah. Right. You got you got to elevate the turkey. It's not going to do the work itself. A lot of meat you could just no like a lot of red meat you can just cook it and do a like okay job and it'll still taste really good. Yeah. Turkey turkey you got to work at it. We purchased a turkey from gobblegobble.com which mm. is not sponsored not sponsoring the show. Not yet. But if you'd like to you're welcome to. Uh smoked turkey it's very good. It's always very very good. Smoked turkey, also very good, yeah. Yeah. I, I would rank it uh, green bean casserole last, cranberry sauce next, ham, turkey stuffing. A good stuffing is is really unbeatable. It's unbeatable. You can put meat in the stuffing. It can be just become its own thing. You're allowed to do it. It can exist by itself. There's so many variations, too. All and all good if done right. All good, done right. Sometimes it's too bready. It can be a little bready. That's a, that's the only time I don't like it. Yeah. Yep. What are you getting for are you going out on a Black Friday? Uh no. Are you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna be at home. I'm waiting for Cyber Monday. Oh yeah, Cyber Monday. I love Cyber Monday. Uh, yeah, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, no fry pod this week. I might repost a little Q&A that I did on The Athletic today for Friday's show, so maybe you have something. That's currently on The Athletic NBA show, <laughs> Behind the Feed. So you have something. So you, you have don't have something. to talk to your family the entire time. So you have one hour to escape your family. Hey, maybe you need to. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, hope you guys uh, are doing great. Hope that you guys have a great holiday. Take some time to enjoy that. And uh, we will talk to you guys again Ooh, next week. Yeah, next week. All right. Peace. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 